Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's edition of In-Depth with Beth and Seth, one of the podcasts from Plymouth Church in Minneapolis. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am your minister for spiritual formation and theater, and I am here to talk with my colleague and friend, Beth Hoffman-Faith. Good morning, Beth. Good morning, Seth. We are talking about your (laughs) sermon that you preached yesterday, May 15th, 2022. Are you still up for this? You ready I'm, to talk about I it? I am so ready to talk about it. Yes. Because I have some questions for you. Bring them on, Seth. All Bring right. them on. This sermon is called The Practice of Getting Out of the Way. And this is part of our exploration of the book of Acts. And you used chapter 11, verses 1 through 18 of the book of Acts. And this is about Peter and Peter making some big changes, right? Well, Peter, following God's lead, I yes, suppose. yes. Uh, uh, making some big changes that had positive repercussions for the life of the Jesus movement. And this, as I said yesterday, this scene, which is a repeat from chapter 10, uh, which means apparently it's really important if it gets put in the Bible twice, is perhaps one of the most pivotal moments in the early church because of the scene that what we now call Christianity wasn't called Christianity then, but the Jesus movement expanded. Or the way. The way, yes. Expanded to people who were not of Jewish birth. So this was a big moment. Before we get into this, did you happen to see the eclipse last night? Sadly, no, Seth. Mm. I, and now I, I am so disappointed about that. I was laying in bed, reading some social media, exhausted from too, too, too long of a day. And many people were saying, the eclipse, the eclipse. And I thought, I cannot even pull my body out of bed to go look at the moon. But I bet you did. I did. It was pretty extraordinary. Uh, we let our daughters stay up to see the very beginnings of it because it was been too late to see the whole thing. So she got to see the very beginning of the shadow crossing the moon. But by 11 o'clock, the whole moon was eclipsed and it was red. Mm. And we were sitting outside and, and talking about like we're able to predict this now. Like we all knew this was going to happen. There was conversation about it, but imagine stumbling upon the moon being gone. You get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and you look up and the moon is just not there anymore, or it's just Mm -hmm. this red orb in the sky. How concerning would that be? Yes. My guess is it was interpreted in all kinds of ways. Yeah. It was eerie and I knew it was coming. It was beautiful. Mm. Well, I'm glad that you saw it, and I'm glad it was so memorable. I have often gotten very excited about things like eclipses and then have been disappointed. So apparently I missed my golden opportunity or my red, blood red (laughs) opportunity. But I'm glad that you all witnessed it together, and I hope that it's a powerful memory for Nettie. Should I continue talking about it so you can feel worse about having missed it? <laughs> How amazing it was and life-changing. I trust I'll see some wonderful photos. Some good. people are really good at that. Or a time-lapse video. Mm, yeah, that would be cool too. So we've been doing the book of Acts in the lat- between Easter and Pentecost, as is often a tradition. And so this is, we each got to preach one. This is mm-hmm. yours. How was it for you? What what was this experience and entering into the sermon? Well, I first read the prescribed scripture for today, which I read in its entirety yesterday, Acts 11, 1 through 18. I thought, no way. It reminded me of what you said, Seth, a couple of weeks ago, that sort of magical acts in the Bible make you a little uncomfortable. Like It's hard to really know how to enter into them when you were yeah. preaching on the road to Damascus. Well, this particular 
story from the Bible includes this very bizarre dream. And dreams were powerful in the Bible. That's how people, that's how we know that people had interactions with God is because of dreams. And so Peter has a dream, but the dream is just this strange, I mean, it includes a sheet and lots of animals and God commands Peter to eat them, which is Peter would never do because he practices Jewish law, which was very clear on what you could and could not eat. As and, act of devotion. Right. As and you this, brought up really Right. Well. This was the way that people honored God. But it was out of that dream, Peter realized that the message of Jesus was not meant solely for the Jewish people, that God makes a statement, you know, what I deem as clean, you must not call profane. He wasn't talking about the animals on the sheet from heaven. He was talking about God's people, all people, and all means all. And so I stood on it. I actually looked around like, maybe I could preach on something else from Acts. I, I really love the book of Acts, and I think it's a, a very important book for the church now to study at any time. But I was not really uh, moved by this scripture initially. And then I came back to it. Because I thought, well, it's not really fair. This is the prescribed scripture. I'll find something into it. And reading it, sometimes it just helps to read and reread and read what comes after and read what comes before. This chapter is actually a repeat of chapter 10. That was something I didn't know or didn't remember when I first started the study of this text. But there was one phrase that just stayed with me that I knew I had to explore which was and that is when at the end of the dream when peter is talking to a group that has gathered to criticize him for his association with the gentiles he says who am i to hinder god right <laughs> mm. who am i to hinder god and that to me that was my landing place so let us begin sort of at the end you you began the actual sermon by bringing up something that I had said a couple of weeks ago, which I have to say was an honor to be <laughs> on the rare occasions that something you said before gets brought up as the impetus for a new conversation. I find that to be a beautiful and honoring thing. So I appreciate and I was touched to hear that. Well, I thank you because you, you certainly gave me a lead in. I also think that's the gift of preaching as a team, yeah. right? We are not preaching in a vacuum, like what we say. And I think it's helpful that we don't have to say, remember what I said a couple of weeks ago? Do you remember that? <laughs> right. So we can lean in on each other and build off of what one of our other, you know, preaching partners has said. I think that's, that's powerful. But your question, as I said yesterday, about what does it take for you to change? You were very directive with it, but it has stayed with me. As I confessed yesterday, and I don't have an answer yet, but I'm living in that question. And to me, it was a wonderful lead in to talk not only about this scene from Acts, but Acts in general, because Acts is all about change. Right. Which I think is a really wise interpretation mm -hmm. uh, that the whole thing is rooted in the convulsions of change and growth and figuring out who are you? Who are mm -hmm. we? What does it mean to be we? And so you end the sermon. This last sentence is radical inclusion begins right here in this beloved community, especially when we understand that beloved community includes all of us here, there, everywhere. So you began with this concept of change. What does it take to change? How do we enter into that? And the, you helped split it into the question of change within us and change of situations. I loved what you said at the beginning. Well, I'm really comfortable when, when I have to accept the change that comes from elsewhere, 
but when it has to do with inside me, well then <laughs> I, I really like that. But then you, you end on this concept of radical inclusion. And that's something that we talk a lot about a lot. And for years, I feel like a good portion of anybody who preaches at Plymouth's sermons are about radical inclusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do we keep having to say this? Well, I was, I was direct in that, first of all, because I do believe that we have to begin somewhere and we have the perfect place to begin in the context and community that is Plymouth, that is church. Any church can begin within. And yes, I think that a tenant of Plymouth's understanding and purpose is that we profess to welcome everyone. You know, you often say it in your welcomes at the beginning of worship. I certainly promote it when we're, when I'm leading a new members class, people come back to us and say, you know, it is very welcoming here. I feel like I belong even when other churches don't accept me because of, you know, my gender, because of my sexual orientation, because of my, the color of my skin, because of, because of, because of, right. There seems to be a welcoming element to Plymouth. But what I think Plymouth needs to think about, and I said it very directly in my sermon yesterday, is what do we expect of people who we welcome in? Do we expect them to become like us? Mm -hmm. Do we expect them to conform to our traditions and our ways of doing things? This is exactly what was happening in Acts. You had a group of people who understood God in a particular way. And they honored that by, you know, food rules and lifestyle rules and thousands of rules because that's how they structured their life. And they struggled to think that people who didn't follow those rules could know and understand God or be even be loved by God. And this particular text in Acts is beginning to break down those barriers. And the people who were really adhering to the rules needed to relax. They needed to to change. They needed to understand that their way was not the only way. So while I believe that Plymouth is really good about promoting inclusion, I do observe times when we expect things not to change, where we hold too fast to tradition, where we won't get out of the way and let new folks lead us. Yeah, we like the idea of newness because it validates we're alive, but to be changed by it is a much harder thing. Maybe one thing if the Gentiles all wanted to become Jewish to follow the way. Oh, you're validating my way of being. You're validating these laws. That's great. But when they're saying, well, we don't want to do that part, but we do want to follow the way. Oh, well, then how do I have to change to accommodate being in this with you? Well, and that's why the sermon is titled The Practice of Getting Out of the Way, because sometimes I think we just need to step aside and let other people show us. Yeah. And these rules are how we might hinder God. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be careful not to sound shaming. We have beautiful traditions and practices at Plymouth, and, mm-hmm. and many of them are welcoming, and many new people gravitate towards them. It's just that when we become rigid, you know, I gave, I gave some examples, and they're, they're small, but they're significant. I have, I have actually seen, this hasn't happened for a while, but I've actually seen a member, you know, someone from Plymouth go up to a newcomer and tell them that they're in their pew. That, that has happened. And, you know, that, that induced laughter, but at the same time, I think people also have experienced that. Or my friend's story of having uh, the little sign in book thrown at them because they weren't responding fast enough, according to their version of, of how fast it should be signed. And that's not to say that the people who 
want to always sit in the same spot are wrong or no. bad. Again, I'm not, I'm not, this, this sermon was not at all meant to reprimand or shame. It was just to provide some examples of what, of, of little things that we do that send an unwelcoming message. And if we're really trying to live into this radical inclusion, we need to be aware of that. All right. So then there is something I really want to talk about. I want to make sure there's time. You throw out huge word here and I'm going to read a little bit leading up to it. Also to be clear that you are not just talking about Plymouth as a community. You are also seeming to talk about our larger society and how it's structured right now. And especially as we are re-entering, I'm going to be kind in how I say this, re-entering a cultural dialogue about reproductive rights. Mm, um, mm. You say, we have been conditioned to believe it is okay to exercise control over another by believing that God made us superior. Whew. We have been coerced by legislation so that we no longer have control over our own bodies. Wow. We have accepted without challenge our hallowed place in dominant culture. And in doing so, God's vibrant vision of beloved community becomes narrower and narrower. Here we go. Do we really want to move towards extinction? Beth Hoffman, faith, extinction. (laughs) Well. Talk about that, please. Well, I shared with you before we recorded that this sermon did not come easily for me. Part of it is that I'm, I'm a preacher who really relies on illustration and story, sometimes from my own life, oftentimes from my own life, but also I bring stories in from others. And I, I, don't, I don't have, this is a rare sermon for me not to have an illustration. I knew what I wanted to say, but I was really struggling in my writing to get there. And I also was carrying the weight, like we all are, of what's happening in the world. So I'm finishing the sermon when a white man goes into a supermarket and kills 10 people and shoots up other people. I'm holding this when on, on a day where all over the country are these amazing reproductive rights uh, protests that march, you know, yep. and I'm, I'm really tired of the divide, like everyone else, like it, this us, them, who's in, who's out, this, the destruction that's happening in our society uh, around spirit and choice and right. So I I was holding all that. And that to me is where that paragraph came from. And I do, I believe with every, when, whenever we diminish another, we are narrowing God's vision. We are hindering God. We are hindering God over and over and over again. And this is a collective we now, friends, I'm not talking about Plymouth members. I'm talking about we as a country, but it begins in our own beloved community. And so we are we're to the point where we're just going to get narrower and narrow and God's vision is going to vanish. We will, it will become extinct. And Ooh, what a terrifying, terrifying thought. Well, so let's, let's not let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is also, again, as okay. preachers, we're called, we're called to find where's the hope in this. The hope in this is that there are enough people who are still listening who are still working, all those people who showed up at, at rallies on Saturday, yep. all the people who are working tirelessly um, for racial equality, you know, there's, and it's happening in Plymouth too. Yeah. But my point was, we have to know why we're doing it. Why? Everybody wants change. I said that very strongly. We all want systems to change, 
but we have to be able to name why we want them to change and what motivates our place in the change. For me, it comes from my faith and it comes from what I, I want, what I believe God wants for us. And that's what I was trying to say. And you said it well. Thank you, <laughs> Beth, for preaching a sermon worth talking about. I appreciate these uh, these conversations with you about it, as always. And thank you to everybody listening. We hope that this opened things up for you even a little bit more. Please, if you haven't heard the sermon yet, please watch on our YouTube channel, either the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock service. Yes, friends, it's always good to talk a little bit more about the sermon, but we welcome you to talk to us. And if something that I said yesterday or Seth has said in the past or something you heard from Duane is, is either staying with you or maybe uh, irritating you a little bit or uh, maybe prompting you into more questions, then please reach out to us because we, we love to have conversations about the words we say. We do. And you don't have to tell us just that you like them. <laughs> Years ago, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, in a very irritated way, can you take criticism? Mm. And I turned around and my knee-jerk reaction was, I wouldn't be doing this if I couldn't. So that is an invitation. We'd like to hear from you. Seth P. at Plymouth.org. Beth F. at Plymouth.org. Have a wonderful week, friends. Be well.